The Gun Dog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by Onyx Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the Onyx Hunt app from your phone's app store today and use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. If you want to get the most of your dog in your training sessions, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Yukonuba's new premium performance lineup is built with the nutrients dogs need to help unleash their maximum potential. That starts with providing energy that matches their efforts, supporting optimal nutrient delivery, and supporting post-exercise recovery. Check out the new Yukonuba premium performance lineup and find your dog's fuel at yukonubasportingdog.com. All right, and I also want to say thank you and give a special shout out to my newest sponsor, AYA Fine Guns. A fine shotgun is itself a work of art as individual as its owner. Why choose an AYA? Well, every AYA gun is handmade uh, by our master gun makers with meticulous attention and precision. Each constituent part is carefully shaped and little by little, the parts come together until a perfect hole is created. Barrel, action, locks, trigger, stock, foreign. An AYA gun is a marvel of gun making engineering, a coming together of perfectly fitted and calibrated parts to ensure an unequaled experience with a reliability and longevity which defy the passing of time. Choose AYA today. And I also, as of this episode, want to welcome on board a new sponsor, Alpha Dog Nutrition. If we expect our dogs to perform like professional athletes, it's time we start treating them like one. Alpha Dog Nutrition's free-range vitality, resurgence, recovery, and balanced probiotic is packed with supplements your dog needs for proper digestion, recovery, and joint care for the preservation of each new day in the field. Check out the options for supplement bundles as well on alphadognutrition.com. All right. And then one of my last title sponsors, Trinity Kennels, Trinity Bretons. Um, guys, thank y'all for, for those that put deposits down at Trinity Bretons. I've, y'all have reached out to me and let me know how, how convinced and, and confident y'all are in their breedings um, of Epignol Bretons. Um, at Trinity Bretons, they strive to raise, train, and produce and reproduce all that are excellent uh, representations of the breed, both in field and confirmation over the past 30 years. They've continued to study, learn, and implement all that they can do into their breeding program and philosophy, as well as their training program. Um, it culminated in being awarded the National Elevage winner in the 2020 CBUS National Conclave and Field Trial in South Carolina. So check out Trinity Batons today, guys. Thank you so much. And of course, I always want to thank my, my affiliates, Lion Country Supply, Dakota 283 Kennels, and Garmin Fish and Hunt for always supporting the podcast and and. and just being again role models and leaders in this community and and really bringing bringing new products into the world upland world by storm so thank you guys as always and i'm looking forward to getting into this podcast and 
I'm looking forward to not holding you guys up too long um, with the details of, of, you know, all of the just awesome things that, that you know, my wife brings to the table. I'd rather um, you guys just hear. So this episode, we have my wife, Ashley Smith, um, on the podcast for a little bit of something different. Um, I just thought it would be... And, and I thought it was important to get a little bit of a different perspective um, on, you know, having a bird dog, living with bird dogs and, and, and having a family. That is, you know, a big part of, of my life right now. And, and I mean, it will be for forever, but particularly right now, I've got, you know, or we have two kids and uh, trying to, you know, buy a new house and, you know, trying to still make time for each other valentine's day is coming up so i do want to say happy valentine's day to my wife very early um you know and just trying to still be a family family man and family oriented and 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 stay grounded while still you know being able to get out there and, and and tackle bird dog stuff and you know and be successful my career or tenure in this bird dog world has grown relatively quickly if I if, if I if I can admit that um, it's grown a lot and I would say that it would not be possible without the help and support of of my wife um, and where it all comes from and I'll say it again on the podcast but there were other podcasts that I'd listen to listen to that are not in the, in the bird dog community that um, or in the bird dog realm that I thought were just really inspirational. Um, and I've interviewed a lot of really dope people over the, the years that I've been doing this, but I never had my wife on, not, you know, independently, like just focusing on her. Um, and she has been, you know, really handling a lot of things for me behind the scenes as far as my writing, as far as, you know, helping me with dog stuff. Um, and, and she didn't grow up with dog or anything like that. So, you know, her story is very, very, very interesting in how it relates to bettering our the rest of our family, you know, and she's been right there um, side by side with me just making this whole thing happen. You know, she's the reason why we were able to get Minority Outdoor Alliance, um, you know, started as quickly as we did. You know, she saw the importance of what it is that I was trying to do, and she still sees the importance of what I am doing um, right now. So I just wanted to say thank you to my wife um, on this episode, but also just kind of give you guys a little bit of an insight into some of the conversations and themes and I guess larger than life uh, meanings that you know we have and discuss between ourselves. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, it it was I had a good time and, and it was another way to really bond and connect with my wife over you know in the same realm of something that I'm interested in and she has since grown to learn and learn and love. So anywho. This is another episode with the gun of the Gun Dog Notebook podcast with my wife Ashley Smith. Stay tuned. All right, it's another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook podcast, straight out of left field. 
think this one was pretty, pretty, pretty left fielded, but it's something I wanted to do for a long time. But I uh, was listening to one of my wife, who is sitting in front of me, one of her little favorite podcasts, the uh, Oprah one with uh, Tom Brady. And I got the, the wild idea to have my wife Ashley on the podcast to talk about life with bird dogs and life with kids, life with family and just <laughs> where we're coming in. So anywho, Miss Ashley, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here, Drill Smith. All right. Well, okay. First and foremost, you are the... I did not take Oprah as seriously until you actually put me on. <laughs> I did not. Um, was it the Super Soul? And I was like, all right. I was listening to it throughout the like mornings and stuff like that. Like I kind of got this whole routine. And we've been listening to that Michelle Obama podcast in the morning, too, which is also very good. And I think it really brings a lot of light to and and, uh, and it makes us very aware of our own relationship so because of that and because of that format between Oprah and Michelle Obama I was like alright well you know how can I apply that to you know my own interview you know style and podcast and things because I thought it was cool but anyway right. I, I say all that to say I've interviewed everybody else in the world but you. Yeah. So I I think it makes sense just to kind of dive dive into another aspect of bird dogging, which is having a family. So I was just on the, the Quail Forever uh, on the Wing podcast, and that was kind of my little end of the podcast lesson thing, like just talking to listeners about the 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 privilege and the ability and the opportunity that I've had to despite the having two kids two very young kids two under two two under two to be able to hunt as much as I have because I think I've hunted about damn near every other weekend if not every weekend so you're trying to say you have a really supportive wife <laughs> that you love and adore yes yes okay. I do okay yes I do but I want to talk about that Okay. I want to unpack that. Oh, you do. Okay. Okay. Um, because you were literally there, literally from jump, like mm-hmm. pre Ruger. I know pre Woogies. Yeah. So, what? In the last four and a half, five years, seeing this whole thing, you know, unfold and things like that. Like, and I, I couldn't have told y'all this was on my plan when we first started dating. But anyway. <laughs> seeing the whole thing unfold I guess what's your observation over the last five years all this like life with bird dogs and stuff my observation about how you having bird dogs has changed our lives is that what you mean has it changed our lives I mean Um, what does that mean absolutely I mean you know you're the type of person you take what you do very seriously which is a good trait like it's a very good thing I want to be clear um you you know Ruger Ruger 
Ruger was our first dog. And, you know, that was the first part of our journey. Um, but as you got more into it with Vegas and now Anne and ooh, you guys pray for us, we're getting a fourth dog very soon. You know, at the end of the day, you know, they, they are hunting dogs and all of those things, but they still are a part of our family. They still affect and inform the decisions we make, how we move, like mm-hmm. even, you know, I hope you don't mind me sharing this with your audience, but we are, well, no, you've spoken about this weird I'm currently in the process of looking for a home. So it's, you know, we a new home. We got a home. Yeah. Oh, well, we got a house. Well, yes. <laughs> I think, I think, I yeah, just don't want folks out here, you know, folks can clown you, say you're homeless. Home. You got to get four dogs, a wife, and two children out here homeless anyway. No, never. Um, looking for a new home. And in that process, we can't just think about the children and ourselves. We have to think about our three almost four dogs and you know them having enough space to stretch and run and and be dogs um so it's definitely a commitment you know not only on your part but for your family as well um you know that's just one example that's of course front of mind right now because we are in the home buying process um so i would say that it really i mean marriage Marriage is a beautiful thing, um, but it does cause you to, like, you become a part of the other person's passions. Mm -hmm. And our family has become that for bird dogs. Um, So I guess my observation would be that we're all in. Like, Mm. you know, although I'm not all in like the kennels. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I did. That's a hunter joke. I, um, I did think about that. Um, all in meaning that, you know, at the end of the day, although obviously Oggs and Avery aren't training dogs right now. And, um, you know, I'm very authentic. I tell people training dogs is not necessarily my thing, but I do believe in supporting my partner, supporting my husband. You actually are not a fan of the kids training dogs. Okay, you want to go there? Okay, this is the thing. thing. It's not that I am not a fan. No, and I I don't mean you're not, like, supportive, but you have your reasons. Go ahead. Well, they're just very young right now. No, I'm talking about later, though. Yes. I I have told Darrell that if... And this was, like... Be clear. Let's be fair about it. It's not a it's not a training dogs thing. Mm-mm. We decided a long time ago before we had children. I don't even know if we were married yet. That we wanted them to to find what they love on their own. Mm-hmm. Meaning that we want to try not try that we are intentional about being a size a source of guidance and support for our children but we don't want to pressure them into doing things that we want them to do versus what they want to do so bird whether it's bird dogs or gymnastics or chess or whatever it is that Mm -hmm. may spark their interest the rule was always you know let them do it if that's what they authentically and naturally want to do that's what we said, Darrell. Now you I was just trying to I was just trying to shoot you one real quick. Nah, man. see, <laughs> you just want two little dog trainers out there with you. And I have said that if that is what they actually truly want to do, then so be it. But yeah. I'm but that's a 
You have. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, yeah, you have. Yeah. I mean, That's I'm giving you a hard time, but yeah, I'm on. But to circle back, so what have I observed? I've observed that your level of commitment to bird dogs and to hunting and to the outdoors community as a whole um, requires our family to be all in it. Although we don't have to be out there training the dogs, it requires us to be a part of the entire process. Mm. So what... Let's take a look into a day in the life. What is that like? Because, again, I'm honestly gone a good bit and there's a balance. I, I think there's a balancing act that we're trying to figure out how to navigate. So, like, what is that for anybody that doesn't have kids or new kids? I mean, like super new kids and like really young kids, you know, trying to get like, what is the what is a day in a life actually look look like? When it's just the kids, I mean, you're well, out hunting or like. What I'm trying to ask is like from from how would you describe everything that I do in conjunction, everything that you have to do for everything to work out, for everything to balance? Oh, I sincerely don't know how you do everything you do. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, although I sleep with you in the same bed, I'm truly not sure when you sleep. But I actually don't know when I sleep now that we have a newborn. Um, So, you know, we're very blessed and very grateful. And I think, you know, I think our age helps us a bit to be balancing all the things that we balance. But I don't see how you do everything. You go when do you go to sleep it's like it's like in the middle of me nursing Avery I'll turn over and you're there but I really don't know what time (laughs) you actually get there um I've said this to you before I think he's also shit he's 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 writing a book and I told him there should be a chapter on cleaning kennels in the dark because it takes that level of commitment when you're trying to balance all that you want to do so when we get home we both work full-time um you know i'm sure i know i know Darrell has shared he's an art teacher and i'm a tax and estate planning attorney and so by the time we get home especially in the winters the summer obviously is a little better but um when it's getting darker earlier we get the children and by the time we both leave work get the children and come home it is normally dark if Darrell gets any sunlight in the evenings, he gets maybe five to ten minutes. <laughs> um, and when we have kids, you know, he, he can't run straight outside because because they are so young. You know, we have to double team them or they will double team you. <laughs> so we like mm-hmm. to we like to take care of them together. Um, so it's you know, I call it the marathon to bedtime is what I when I when we pull up in the yard. That's what I'm thinking. All right. Like, let's get them fed. Let's get them bathed. Let's get changed. Let's do let's read books. Let's, you know, say say prayers. Let's it's the marathon a bit. Let's get everybody in the bed. And by the time we finally get them down and you and I, you know, have a little bit of dinner and maybe, you know, a little bit of conversation. Uh, you're outside cleaning kennels in the dark and scooping poop in the dark and taking care of the dogs. Um, this <laughs> he to 
to illustrate his level of commitment and everything that he does in the dark because I don't know all the components it takes up but I know you're back in the back a long time you're doing a lot he bought a is it a, a floodlight oh yeah he yeah, bought yeah. a floodlight a floodlight yeah. yes and you also which I have since burned the lamp out somehow I gotta get another because lamp because you use it every night <laughs> well needs a new one a new bulb or whatever um, but you also he also has a I'm gonna out you here mm-hmm. has a headlamp I do have a headlamp I find hilarious <laughs> it is so funny to look out in the backyard I do have a headlamp headlight on um, <laughs> it's very cute hey um, look man you got you, you do what you gotta do you do what you gotta do um, so day in the life you do what it takes to get it done oh, but okay so how does that work living in the burbs we live in, in outside of Atlanta both of us are from Atlanta I think I want to bring that up in the conversation too but living in the burbs what does that look like with bird dogs and how has that disrupted your sleep Lord Jesus um, <laughs> well I, you know our dogs are and our dogs don't live inside they do not live inside thank god now ruger ruger in vegas did live with us for a bit ruger of course the longest vegas which, wasn't inside vegas was inside as a puppy like a yeah, but old puppy. Yeah, yeah yeah but he was out no, soon no no no. but like when we first brought him home he was like oh yeah he was too little baby, so, yeah, baby, yeah, yeah 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 he yeah. lived inside that's what i mean yeah um I mean, all, I think all the pups should be like that to some degree, but... Yeah, they're like little babies. Yeah. Um, what was I... What, what were we I'm doing? sorry, I threw no, you No, you're off. fine. No, you're good. Um, just... What... Like, how does that work in the birds? Oh, yeah. So, what I love about you is that you don't let anything stop you from pursuing... <laughs> that which is on your heart which is good because i think a lot of people would look at the suburbs and say like oh you know i don't have the proper environment to do what you do because i still don't even know how you do what you do and you know we don't have um you know a lot of the resources that people would think that you need to do what he's done on the level that he has been able to do it on but my husband is extremely resourceful and extremely determined um so i will say because they are pretty well trained they don't it's not a big deal most of the times but sometimes they can get loud Mm-hmm. And particularly Vegas. Particularly Vegas. And now that Anne's on the team, she's got a little voice too. That um, little jackass there. She, yeah. And what's <laughs> also interesting is that it's funny how dogs influence each other. But when Ruger was just Ruger, Ruger just used to have this very intimidating bark. Well, then Ruger and Vegas became the team. And Vegas had like likes to howl, which I know you're gonna say is the coon. Is the it's, it's it's some kind of hound in his background. Okay, yeah. some type I, of I, hound. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, they we had breed. a train walker coon hound at a point, and so yeah, that's what I still want it. another one. Oh boy. Um, so when well, we get a running walker, that way I can I can you know hunt stuff in the daylight, and they just run after stuff instead of treating it. Well, anywho, so whatever the hound in Vegas is, it makes him howl. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think that's where that's coming from. All right. Well, so now since Vegas decided to lead the howling crew, all the dogs howl as soon as we pull up <laughs> to the house. And I think the entire neighborhood knows 
when the Smiths come home. Um, so things like that, I mean, I've gotten used to, but they can be loud sometimes. Um, but I think it's very rare. I think it's when we get home and when they hear something they don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, the neighbors are pretty cool about it. Uh, yeah, well, you know, they are. They're, they're, I think it helps that they see me doing stuff with them. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. We haven't had, you know, thank, thank God, we have not had any issues. Like, no one's That's been like... That's because dogs are never off the leash. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that... HOA. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying in general, <laughs> but they were messing with everybody. I'm saying in general that no one's been like, oh, my gosh, she has three dogs. Like, yeah, no. Alert the authorities or anything crazy. Like, it's nothing been like, but that's what I'm saying. We have well-trained dogs because, yeah. you know, they're not. Sorry, y'all. This wine. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I just it's I figured that would sound weird on the microphones. Like this is just wine. <laughs> um, Ashley got a really nice uh, barrel aged wine that we're gonna try here. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so bird dogs in the suburbs. I I think because you have trained them so well, they're not a nuisance um but it does cause you to get really creative as far as your training my husband will do whatever it takes he will move mountains he will drive to wherever he needs to go he will get up at whatever time in the morning to go where he needs to go to make sure the dogs have the adequate amount of space and just whatever you need to make it work well i mean there all right so i think there there's the consideration of like have some kind of something to work with. Now, it, now, this is my other argument to that. In the Delmar Smith book, you know, I love that book. That like new, my numero uno or something like that for training books. I think I talked to you about that. I think that book is. Yeah, I think I might have like probably recited that entire book to you at some point in time, just I in conversation. Agree with that. Yeah, probably in conversation, yeah. but. In that book, you know, Delmore talks about a dude having a bird dog living in New York, New York City, like New York City. And he's like, you know, if you have certain tools, X, Y, Z, you can pretty much make it work. Now, mind you, I have no intention on ever moving to New York City or anything or living in something that small. But no, we it, visit New York, but we're not. Gonna yeah, 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 yeah. I was over that junk in like three days last time. But <laughs> I think that the point is clear. That it doesn't take much. Yeah, it doesn't take much. And you've said that all the time. You keep trying to get me to write an article on it. And so I've since started doing that with BHA's Backcountry Journal. You know, those are. Yeah, you did um, the minimalist approach. Yeah, well, okay. So what do you think about that? Because you also well, gave duh. me a whole tongue lashing about spending money. Exactly. Okay, so. So, when, so, so simplicity, the, the idea of simplicity. This idea of simplicity. When Darrell first started this journey, let me tell you, I'm just going to tell on you. That's what I'm going to do this podcast. Um, when he started this podcast, uh, no, honestly, really, it was really more so just when you got into this mm-hmm. and we weren't even married yet. We were still dating. And I was like, why are you spending so much money? Let me tell you guys. Now, everyone knows that I actually Darrell, was not making a lot of money you know, either. At the time, you were not making a lot of money either. And oh, man, like you 
Darrell does a lot of reading. We both do. And he is, he's a historian. He's a researcher. Like he reads and he studies. And, you know, when he first started this process, you know, he shared before, you know, he doesn't come from like a family lineage where his dad hunted or whatever. And so it's not like he had somebody on the ground to teach him. And that's the beauty of books. He went and found his mentors through books. And that's what Delmar Smith and all these writers have been for him. Um, But he also got into like product guides and uh, different magazines. And every time we were dating then, so we weren't living together, but every time I would come over to his house or whatever, he'd have some huge new thing or some some this or some that. And I eventually I said, how much money are you spending on this? And he was like, oh, well. And he started showing me the numbers. I said, Darrell Smith, you are spending way too much money on all of this and at the time he he was just new and he was excited he was like I need this I need this collar I need this this and I need this specific this I don't you know it's been years at this point so I don't remember the names of everything and I remember saying I don't think you need all of this but as time went on I will never forget just over time he came to me he was like you know it doesn't actually take all of those things. <laughs> you were right. Um, you know, it doesn't take that much to train a good bird dog. Um, so I think you came to that conclusion later, obviously. But yes, you spent a butt ton of money in the beginning, and I did not like that. Well, yeah, and I. But I'm glad you said that. I don't want folks to run into that trap and literally like. I think like my bird dog closet thing downstairs, like it seems more full than it actually is. But the actual like essential stuff that I need in there is like two or three things. I definitely think you should take a picture of your closet one day. I do periodically, you know, a little slip, a little Instagram tools of the trade in there. Let me tell you guys, Darrell, that is, you you know, everybody has their their section of the house, the, the, the hunting closet, that's for him. He is the most organized in that space. Like, he is so organized. Seriously. Now, I don't know what happens when you leave that space. Oh, this office right now is trash. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm like. And I love it. I'm picking up socks in the room. But in in your closet, it is immaculate. It is immaculate. (laughs) It is organized. I'm like, now, why does he not take this skill set from here (laughs) to upstairs? (laughs) I gave it everything I got. (laughs) But it's your passion. That closet all I got. I got nothing else. It's all in there. It does. You you keep that very well. Um, But yeah, so, you know, I think all of it you know, all comes together for this beautiful journey that we're seeing you on, you know? Yeah. So, we're talking about suburbs and birds. Both of us are born and raised Atlanta natives. Yes. How do you think that has affected like our lives as far as us making the adaptation? Again, we got dogs, usually it's birds in the background, like being from Atlanta, was there ever a time that you thought that that was not abnormal? Because I think, I mean, I, I, and I asked this because... Was there ever a time I thought it was abnormal or not? Or not abnormal. Like, and I, I'm, this is where I'm coming Wait, from. I'm just trying to follow. Not abnormal is actually hard to process. So, 
not normal. Yeah, having, you know, animals and, you know, multiple dogs, things like that. Did I ever think it was abnormal? No, because I think you think it's abnormal now. What is the question? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to follow. Having all these dogs, having birds, having all of this stuff in Atlanta, because Atlanta is still the South. Mm Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time in your upbringing that you, that this would have been more normal than it is now? What you do normal during my upbringing? Uh, but let me let me tell you where I'm coming from. All right. You growing up in Greenbrier, and it's still good ghetto Greenbrier. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, good get good homegrown ghetto Greenbrier. Lord. I ain't grew up in the ghetto, trust. But it, Greenbrier is rightfully what it is (laughs) but we still had a dude that brought horses out there okay you know what i'm saying so like although i lived in the city like greenbrier is definitely atlanta like to the core you know and having my granddaddy spot you know you i mean you we've been over there like you see what kind of woods that is right with this what I do was I wouldn't have thought it was abnormal you would not have Mm -mm, I wouldn't have thought it was that yeah that's your perspective um if we're asking about my upbringing Mm -hmm. that would have been abnormal to me because I mean I mean I just didn't I mean I know that it exists in my family history well I think that's my curiosity too like your dad is from Camilla he from quail country. I get all that, but <laughs> like, um, we because he was not surprised when I brought this around. Yeah, that's fine. But <laughs> he did not. My dad had three. My dad moved from Camilla, um, and most of his siblings did. And you know, he had three daughters. We just did. We weren't raised to know that part of our history. Um, like. I mean, I guess there are things I just could have guessed because of the times, but when when you came around and my dad and my dad's brothers, my uncles and my older cousins started talking about how granddaddy used to hunt for the family and all this kind of stuff, I was like, what? Why are they telling Darrell things that I didn't even know about my own grandfather? <laughs> you know, when he came around and everybody found out what he did, everybody was very interested and he started talking and all this new information came out about my family, but no, just... For me, for my sisters, for the people my age and my family, particularly the women, if I'm being honest, we didn't know all that. I just so, yes, it would have been abnormal to me. I wasn't raised to know about hunting. That's the truth. Interesting, because like August is going to get a full helping just by sheer nature of just living. With oh, us. Absolutely. I mean, you she's going to know what her dad does and loves and as she should. Yeah. Um. But that just that just wasn't terms of like now, we went fishing with granddad right. and stuff like that. You know, I definitely have done my fair share of fishing. But before you, I had never been on a hunt before ever. Yeah. Like it wasn't even a thought. Yeah. All right. So let me tap into your style now. Oh boy. Here we go. I'll be studying you. Okay? Do you study me? I do study you. Okay. <laughs> Don't get too crazy on the podcast now. <laughs> Folks can use their imaginations. You, you started it. <laughs> you know, but look. You started it. As I've grown in, 
I guess my role or responsibility in the bird dog community. Like I, 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 I not trying to sound like big and bad or nothing, but like I really do feel like I have a role in this whole thing. Like a, a significant responsibility, a significant enough responsibility to take serious what I do. I think everybody plays a role. So absolutely, you definitely yeah. have a role. Everyone does. Yeah, and, for sure. And in that, through all this research and history and all the stuff that you edit from me, because <laughs> I promise y'all, I talk stupid. Oh, and Ashley cleans it up and then I send it off to editors <laughs> okay I'm the stupidest talking dude that will and y'all be reading these stories not, you don't talk stupid you just have a southern twang my dear okay well that's nice <laughs> you at least clean it up but anyway <laughs> with all this stuff that I'm trying to do um, in addition to you know just be a hopefully a model you know what I'm saying? For, for for having bird dogs and things like that. All of this I'm I'm trying to do, and I got this from the the Oprah podcast, is is a service and not a measure of success. Mm. Um all of that leading to the idea that we're raising the collective conscience. You know what I'm saying? So Lord. <laughs> Lord over here. Lord. Somebody okay. has been reading my okay. stuff. I think what I what I'm trying to do with bird dogs hopefully will raise the collective conscience. Um Okay. You know, history, stuff like that. Hopefully I'm revealing things that really make people think. Okay. In a positive way. Absolutely. What do you what do you what do you think about that initiative? Wow. And and you've helped me along the way with that, directly and indirectly. So let's talk about that. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah. Raising levels of consciousness. So consciousness, you know, when you break it down, you could make you could make it complicated. But really what it boils down to is awareness. Um, you know, it's like you you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> You, you don't know what you're not aware of, right? Mm-hmm. And so as you grow and you're enlightened and you become more conscious and more aware of new things, it brings new opportunities um, for you to grow in different areas. I think that's that's a very abstract saying. But to apply it to what we're talking about here, I think that every single human being on this planet has a unique and special calling inside of them. Like I truly, truly believe that with all of my heart. I believe- Is that people and dogs or is that just people? I think dogs too. I think every being. And I actually wanna, if you'll like dog ear that. Well, if you'll dog ear that in it's your definitely head. recorded okay well dog ear that thought in your head because I actually want to ask you a question I mean I know it's your podcast but you know I'm your sure. wife you, you're welcome your to wife, ask me so questions. I'm going to ask you a question um, that I just think would be cool to share um, but so on the thought that every single person every single being everything that has life um, running through them has a purpose here um, I think, you know, it's not, it's not a coincidence that you love dogs. Like this man really loves dogs. It's not a coincidence 
that you have a passion and a call towards hunting. Um, and I believe as far as if we're talking on a on a grander level of how we all raise the level of consciousness or just bring more love and lighter, we could even take it to making the world a better place. I think that's something that's an idea that a universal idea that everyone has kind of heard and processed before you make the world a better place by starting with your inner world and what's in front of you. And that's what you've gone and done. So you listen to your inner world and your inner world is saying, hunt, you know, be outdoors, be one with nature. You know, he has a very deep connection with dogs at the at the end of the day. Like sometimes when I watch him with the dogs, it's like you communicate with them without opening your mouth. And I thankfully, thank you, Plody. Did you I, hear that? Yeah, thanks to Plody. He's learned <laughs> he doesn't talk to the dogs as much. I know that's a thing. Um, but I, I say that to say, like, what if there was a world, like a world existed where everyone felt free to be themselves and felt free to do do the calling on their on their hearts that that brought that made the world a better place. So that's what you're doing, right? So you're honoring the call that you hear internally. The call that you hear internally is what we just said. And by you doing that, okay, well, you're lighting the path for those who are behind you, who are saying, not behind you, but, you know, younger than you. Those who will come, or yeah. Those who will come after you who are saying, dang, I like that too. What did this do too? Just like Del Mar and all the all the books and things that you've read, I think you've, you've said this before in private conversation, like you think of them as kind of like OGs, like mm-hmm. they led the way. Like, so, you know, you're doing that too. And the more you do that, the more you focus and nurture, you know, what you're called to sow and to harvest, the lighter and the brighter and the better the world gets. And if just if everybody could tend to their own plot and tend to their own purpose, sweep in that your way, own porch. If everybody exactly, <laughs> Angie said, sweep your own porch. True. If everyone could tend to their own spot and have that much passion and and curiosity and love for what they do, I think that is how we make the world a better place. So the correlation is that that is how you are doing that by honoring your call and giving all that you got to your passion okay okay so oh do you want my dog your question yeah you do yeah. Or you can you know. no come on come on with it okay will you please share with the world why you love dogs go and you give them that give them the answer that you gave me first of all Tell where is this truth. you have to start where this even came from because that was kind of on a whim it wasn't you asked me a question super random. It wasn't randomly. We um, we were talking. We we're having one of our deep conversations, and um, you were saying that. I mean, how how how? I mean, you good? Come on, I mean, you know. Okay, you want me to look? You it's know? my podcast. Shoot, ain't nobody. Uh, trust me, the judgments have been made. The day that I brought. Uh, my buddy Ross's short hair to the house to train it with Ann, the judgments were made, so (laughs) I've already committed my sins. Go ahead. I'm just playing. Go ahead. Silly. Um, No, we were chatting and we were talking about um, we were talking about family and we were discussing I think we were talking about my family. We were talking about your family and you were saying that 
that you that you would want people to know that one of the best ways to get to know you is to you know learn about what you do and what you love correct okay all right i don't want to i'm just refilling you though that is your cup don't you tell does he say that no it's definitely yours oh when did you pick that up okay sneaky yeah i didn't even see it um and so when you were talking about that you were like yeah so people should you said if, if somebody wants if you somebody wants to get to know people in general but me you know should, you should learn what people like and why they like it right you know and so although it was maybe hours or days later when I asked you the question because we have children I just think we just got sidetracked um I don't think I ever before that moment, I mean, I knew the answer because we do talk so much, but I don't think I ever straight up asked you before, like, why do you love dogs so much? Like, I never asked you that question straight on. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to get the answer in that way. So tell the world. Tell the the world. Tell the world. Um, I, and you looking at my notes, you cheated. No, I didn't. Really? Because that no. was going to be the next thing. I don't have on my glasses. I didn't see that. Oh, I forgot you are blind. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Y'all, Darrell has 2020 and he makes fun of me. And I still wear glasses just to he style makes, on he y'all. Makes, he wears glasses just to get on my nerves. That's what, like... Prescription glasses, too. You're so annoying. He doesn't need them. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think why do I love dogs the way that I do? Yeah. Um, I think dogs are fundamentally angelic creatures. <laughs> I think they are like 1000% pure in spirit and they teach, they're a mirror to you. Mm. So they teach you who you are. You know, one of my questions to you was going to be, what do you think about the way I train my dogs in in the most transparent fashion? And we'll get to that. But because of that, you know, because of my dogs now, I feel confident enough to even ask that on a podcast because your dogs represent who you truly are, like in the in the deepest um most personal fashions they're reflections of you and some kind like all three of my dogs now i think even Anne, the shortest time we had her like she's even starting to emulate me in a lot of ways well dogs are a part of the i think it's people dogs horses birds and maybe snakes people horses dogs birds let's stick with those people horses dogs and birds is a quadrilateral relationship between all four of those creatures i said snakes but snakes have this weirdly evil thing that i got against them like it's odd kind of religious whatever but all three of those beings like i said people or human beings, uh, dogs, horses, and birds, uh, birds of prey, or, or any kind of birds, but specifically birds of prey. All of us can work independently of each other 
so or or they can work in 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 tandem with each other and they can all four work together you can ride a horse and go hunt run a bird dog in front of that horse fly a predatory bird and it all if you do it well enough it all comes together like in tandem Mm -hmm. that is not a coincidence no that is a a god-built thing in my opinion oh for sure and so with dogs dogs are the closest that i i believe that we're going to get to realizing our own our effect on our own spirituality and in the spirituality of nature mm-hmm. because they tell you who you are mm-hmm. if you are a trash trainer you're gonna it's gonna show in a dog well deeper than that you're saying that they'll show you the flaws in your character yeah and i was gonna get there but yeah they'll show you the flaws in your character i mean you can be a well-titled uh you know, champion dog trainer and competitor, so on and so forth. But then when I walk up to your dog, your greatest dog in your kennel, that dog's got his his tail between his legs. Right. What does that tell me about you? Exactly. You know, like, excuse me, like, what does that tell me about you as a person? Like, so that dog is either whip run or or just don't like you. Anne is my example of that. And because you, you you got her when she was older. I got her when she was older, but I got her when she was kind of timid. Timid. Yeah, you know no, what I'm saying? I just like to put that out there, yeah. Yeah, like I was gonna say something totally different, but timid is a good word. Like <laughs> she was definitely she had she needed some work. More afraid when like, she first got here. And it, she you've made her feel comfortable and she feels safe. And it's funny because Anne was was quiet when that dog we was first quiet her home. Well, now that, and I think it was because she didn't feel secure. It was a new place, and there were other things that she was definitely timid, and there's some, there were some other things going on. But now that Miss Missy feels secure, she has off. found her voice. Not only she that, but she has found her voice. She's not <laughs> quiet anymore at all. <laughs> yeah, well, and Miss Ann ran off on the plug the other day, man. <laughs> I'm going to let you tell the story. I don't even know if I can do the story justice, but basically... Miss Ann ran off on the plug. Translated, that means (laughs) what happened was Darrell and I were just kind of standing out in the backyard. It was a warm mer. Well, no, it was kind of chilly. No, it was 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 all right outside. It was a warm mer day. Yeah. um, For winter, at least. And um, we were just, just standing out there chatting. And, um... I said, oh, like, bring Anne over, you know, because since she's newer, I definitely try to interact with her, with her more because now when the other dogs came home, it was before we had kids. So I actually was definitely outside with Darrell more and went on more hunts with him and just did more. I mean, now that we have kids, somebody's got to kind of be inside with the kids. Somebody's got to be a responsible parent. I didn't say that. Um, um, you know, with them being young, I don't necessarily let them go outside in the winter and stuff when it's cold. But anyway, um, so we happened to both be able to be outside for a second and just kind of enjoy just being outside. And uh, 
she was why was she off her leash but she was I, I, no 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 I had her on the leash you had her on the leash and then I wanted to play like you know play yeah. with her basically and, and I took her off the leash right to let her go to the bathroom and she went to the bathroom and I said Darrell cause our neighbor's fence is kinda high um but we have this house really I always tell Darrell we, and we agree on this that this house is our, our our first home together really ended up being a blessing because we have a lot of wooded area um, behind our house and it's just been just this great thing to use. It's not uh, we didn't know it was going to be there, but basically, right. but anyway, it worked out. It worked out. Um, so the dogs will go run up there and use the bathroom and come back. Um, and. Um, so she went up there and I was like, Darrell, she's kind of going off to the right. I think you should, you know, step up a little bit and see, you know, come up, come up some, you know, past the neighbor's fence so that you can see her. He was like, ah, she's fine. She, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't really like run like that when we're at home. And I was like, I don't know, Darrell, I mean, she's getting kind of far, like <laughs> really going towards the neighbor's scene. He was like, ah, nah, I got it. It was cool. And then. <laughs> I don't know what triggered you to go from <laughs> zero relaxed out. to you went from zero to like a hundred real fast when you realized how fast Ann was running. Cause he was like, my husband likes to, my husband likes to play it really, really, really cool in front of me. I don't know. I just think he likes to flirt with me, but <laughs> he was trying to act like it was cool. Like, you know, she's not gonna get far and when he realized that she was actually stretching out and exploring our very suburban neighborhood he went from like just chilling in like a relaxed position to a strong fast trot I mean <laughs> the adventure straps were not down on your crocs but I bet you wish they were when you had to take off um, so he, he he eventually got her to come back but it was just very funny oh, like, we were gone. dying laughing because he he went from like laid back cool derail to like uh and and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know yeah that's what happened she 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 got up on me man she had never done that like i but that you were so confident you were like she's yeah man i was man you know it is what it but but back to to what you were saying um uh, dogs to you are angelic and pure and show you they're a mirror to who you are. Yes. Yes. Um, we do I, I, I do. I will say, and I definitely notice this a lot um, because when, um, when I was a child, we didn't have pets. Like my only exposure to animals really was when I would go to like my friend's houses <laughs> when I was a kid. So when Darrell and I started dating, he told me immediately how much he loved dogs. Um, what I did notice, because being with you was like the first time I was around animals all the time. Mm -hmm. And it is such a beautiful thing, really. It's a whole different level of life and love and relationship that honestly I was missing my whole childhood. And thanks for bringing that into my life. I didn't know you were going <laughs> to bring so many dogs into my life, but <laughs> you know, I appreciate it. It's all good. Um, you just got a crash course, that's all. Yeah, that's one word to call it. But um, what I noticed immediately, like the more we hung out and the more we were dating, I was like, dang, like I remember telling you, like I felt like your dogs operated as angels for you in a way. 
I think like, so. Yeah. I have seen and and Ruger. Oh gosh, Ruger's been so. When I was um, pregnant with our first child, when I was pregnant with August, um, I had a a pretty rough pregnancy. I was um, I just had I just it just was my first pregnancy, and it was it was just it was rough. I was sick a lot, and um, so I was at home in bed, and. Um, I didn't pull up the door well to our front door that morning when I had gotten up to get something. And I didn't know it, but you know how sometimes if you don't put the deadbolt on your door, if the wind blows a little too hard, it can blow it open. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you, you were there, you was know. Was that you or me? Because I had left for the day. Was that you or me? I did it. You know you? Yeah, I did it. I just didn't. Um, you were at work. I called you and told you what happened. Um, but anyway, so I was a, in a pregnancy induced sleep. Like I was knocked out. And, um, at that time Ruger was still living in the house. And what I'm always so astounded by when it comes to animals and when it comes to dogs is that they know how to communicate with you. And what I mean, how, like they're very intentional. So like I was asleep, like knocked out for about maybe two hours at this point. And Ruger started to communicate with me he started to whine and you know he was living in the house and so we I, I really we really knew each other at that point he didn't bark to alert me that like someone was in the house or that something was in trouble like something like there was trouble or something going on like he he knew not to alarm me or scare me but he woke me up very gently to let me know something was wrong now mind you I was upstairs in our master bedroom with the door closed and he sensed that the front door downstairs was standing wide open. Cause like I said, I didn't put the deadbolt on very well. So the wind had blown it open. Of course I had no clue. I was upstairs asleep in the bed and he just kept whining, kept whining. And so I remember waking up and I was like, do you have to go to the bathroom or something? Like, why are you whining and standing at the door? And I just knew on a very deep level that that's not what he was saying. And he just kept motioning towards the door. So I opened the door and he ran immediately downstairs to our front door and stood there like, silly mommy, like the door standing wide open. This isn't safe. And I was just so blown away by that. I called Dorella work. I was like, he knew not to scare me. Like he didn't bark like crazy, like protective bark, like something was wrong. But he was telling me, yo, like this isn't right. Like you need to close your door. <laughs> you can't just be sitting up here in the middle of the day with your door wide open. Um, so I definitely fell in love with watching how your dogs have been angels for you. But as you introduce me into your life and me to them, they have been angels for me as well. So I agree with you that they are they are pure. Um, mm-hmm. And I have watched them teach you many lessons. And I remember sometimes um, watching you interact with them. They can teach you things and say things to you better than I can sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I think they've, in, in, in their own kind of will help me be a better dad. Ooh. Yeah. Um, You've never talked about that. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. That's cool. We never talked about that before. Yeah, I um, I would say a better husband in a lot of ways, but that's not as specific, not as concrete as the relationship kids. isn't as direct. The it's not, yeah, as it's not, as, it's not the same. Yeah, I understand. Um, 
there is a lot of learning that you got to let every individual do. Mm-hmm. And I got pointers. I'm the arrogant jackass that likes pointers. Like there is a little bit of uh there's a little bit of 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 like hoity-toity like chest in the air because i got pointers like we're we're the guys with the ferraris you know what i'm saying we're the guys with the the nascars you know cars of the bird dog world we're the guys that like to brag on how big and how crazy our dogs run and stuff like that i'm a pointer dude we like to brag on how white the dogs are and how straight the tails are it's very very subjective and we get these dogs it is subjective because i know other people think yeah 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 it's i want to make notice for sure subjective but we still got better dogs than everybody else but anyway you just like to talk trash i do i'm always gonna do it but like there is there is a little bit of because I got a dog like that this is what I want it to do you know what I'm saying like this is what I'm anticipating it doing it's already built with the right tools I'm going to have a dog out the gate that's going to be a rock star and I think there's a lot of that in even having a good bird dog from good pedigrees and genetics as much as I go on about that right but you still got to go at their pace. Mm. And you definitely have to do that with children. You have to do that with children. I, everybody got the greatest kid in the world. Everybody got the prettiest kid. Everybody yes. got it. And we All have made some phenomenal looking kids. We have some beautiful Everyone's kids. Everyone's baby is special. Yeah. we Everybody is. But we got some damn pretty kids. They are beautiful. On the but, and they're incredibly smart. They are. But you got to go at their pace mm-hmm. and they're going to tell you and you cannot interject your demand dem- yeah that's where bird dogs has really changed that up for me okay um but look check this out this is what i really want to talk to since we're on that subject we're, we're really leading right into is actually a really good next segue i guess that word is so weird to me segue um it's a weird word to me but anyway there are weirder words there are weirder words like hemoglobin hemoglobin's a weird one it's, it's odd it is it's an we can do this all day. We but. could. I'm not saying, you know, don't <laughs> we're not going to do this. Have actually we're not going to do like, this. Start naming words. That was, that was about to go south real quick. <laughs> but there's a couple of things. But we're talking about this. And you and I talk about it. But but I, I you say I do it all the time. But the theme of, of following what your soul wants to do. Mm-hmm. You are building on that right now. Mm-hmm. And and I applaud you for honestly doing what I would call a sacrifice and letting me do my thing. And honestly, you sitting back with the kiddos and stuff like that for a minute. But now you're starting to make your debut. <laughs> you know, debut. You, 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 but you talk to me you like this is what I want to do. This is what I feel compelled to say or, or do. And your um. I guess you called him a monologue the other day. Monologue is dope. But like, you know, you're writing and, and, and you have been seriously the one that has really helped my writing. But everything you have to say, everything that you think about, everything that that is in you, you want to 
preach it. You want to write it. You want to profess it. And I think that's dope. And and that is something that has been called to your heart. So, like, why do you think that's important for people like me that you as a wife have been like, this fool won't faux dogs, faux crazy dogs, and I'm going to just let him do it? Or smarter people like you that actually have something to say and want to, you know, you're, get it out there. You're, I can't deal with you. Um uh, you're every you're smart, Darrell. Everyone's smart. Um, but you follow what your soul wants to do. That's yes. been your biggest thing. Yes, it is, and I want to absolutely create a life where August and Avery will do that as well. Um, and I think the best way to create that life is for them to have two parents who live freely and um, are fulfilling the mission of their souls. Um, so as far as your, you said earlier that I'm making a sacrifice. I mean, I definitely think, you know, obviously because the woman carries the baby, you know, and in pregnancy by no means, I mean, there, there are people who have like, my two pregnancies were different. Like, like I said, with August, I was very sick with Avery. Um, I had a, a much easier pregnancy. It was much easier to carry Avery than it was August. However, at that point I had a, had a, had a, at a baby baby you know August was six months six months at a point you know when I was you know early pregnancy with Avery so um you know I have to tend to to my children and that's what I want to do but I don't know if I consider it a sacrifice more so as I consider that you know you and I are a team and you're a really good teammate um and we work really well together I think appreciate it yeah you know you know you're cool I like you um but you know I we have goals as a team we have a vision as a team and I think one of the things that makes a marriage work is when both individuals can are fulfilled and to me fulfillment flows from answering the call and honoring the mission of your and honoring the mission of your soul I think where people mess up in relationships is you try to mold that person into what you want them to be or what works for you or what even you may think would work better for your situation but to me things always work from the inside out you know listening to God and and listening to your heart and I know that our household will always be more peaceful and more loving and more fun if if we're both given the opportunity to do what we love so yes you've gone first in a way Um, but I don't even know if I, I think of it like that because we always wanted children. So I'm, I'm doing my part too. So it's, it's just more so timing. It was my time to have our babies and to, and to take care of our babies. They just intersected with, you know, all the momentum you have behind what you love to do. So I don't see it as a sacrifice. It's just, that's the timing we're in. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you, we made a deal since he does travel a lot for, 
gun dog notebook and everything that's going on you know our deal was and this is pre-pandemic that he had to I mean he still does it but it's just not the same when things were open because churches still aren't open um down here in the south yet but the deal was that he had to be home every Sunday for church and for family day and you have done that um you know except for you know very extenuating circumstances you're here on Sundays you know I don't know how much hunting and guiding you fit in between Friday. Let's go on when it ain't Sunday and I ain't got work. I go. Yeah, I don't know how you fit it all in, but you were home on Sundays and um, you know, we're we're balancing and we're working it out. So like I said, we're a team and you know, being a team means you know what position you're playing, I know what position I'm playing, but our ultimate goal is to win and we support each other in, in making sure that happens. So I think I think we are I think we're doing that. So. So. You've heard me use and everybody likes the idea of like the word legend, right? Like everybody want to be a legend, right? Like Tom Brady's a legend. Like Tom Brady is a freaking legend. He's a he's a whole legend. Right? I don't care who your team is. Tom Brady's you gotta, a legend. You got to give credit where credit is due. That man is a legend. Right. He is. And I think this is an appropriate question in light of that. I think to me, Neil is my legend for, for bird dog stuff, you know? Absolutely. Um, Neil Carter. So, like, that word is tossed around a lot. So, let's dissect that. Do you think that all people have, like, their own personal legend? Absolutely. Like, we all have, like, the Delmars and stuff. Yeah, that's where I got that from. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, I... I actually see a lot of the alchemist coming through in people that pursue bird dogs because you, you, you don't have to be a, like a great field trial or something like that to be, you know, walking around the woods or, or walking around on the prairies with however dogs and right. Like however many dogs you got and you know, you spent the last eight months of the year getting them primed and ready and prepared you know what I'm saying or the last few years studying the habitat and things like that and you become extremely successful you know and and, and things like that but I think everybody has their own personal story and, and, and does that translate into their own personal legend like what does that mean to you mm. yeah I think legend is multi-layered the word I think you know, on a very colloquial, popular level, um, people think legend and they think, you know, Tom Brady, Michael Jackson, you know, you know, just very big legends, I mm-hmm. guess is a way to put it. But I think everyone's a legend. Um, to me, um, on its, at its, at its very basic level, when I hear the word legend, I think of story mm-hmm. and I think of like a map. So like or either like a chart. So, you know, it's like, oh, here's the legend. OK. <laughs> you know, so I think it's deeper than how it's tossed around. And when you boil it, when you distill it down to smaller elements, you realize that that is everyone. So. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of at the end of all of our lives, you know, prayerfully, there will be people who love you, who 
who, you know, reflect upon your legend, reflect upon your story, reflect upon what you have left behind. Um, I had this thought the other day, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, we both, of course, had family members that have passed away, you know, in the past before. Um, and for me, I'm in definitely share your perspective on this. The more years that pass by, it can get harder to remember exactly like you have pictures for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. I think the physical picture in your head of someone can fade. I think mm-hmm. you can forget. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know I, what I'm saying? I, yeah, I, it's so I, sensitive because, like, I don't want to. I don't want to offend. No, nah, I want to say like. I don't think you offend anybody. Yeah, like, I think it just happens. It's a natural part of the growth. Like my mom, she died when I was 12. Right. I don't have like a concrete like I'm looking at you right now right I don't have a concrete image of her that is why I have the pictures that I do right and because it's like it, it fills that, that in picture, yeah it that memory may get harder yeah to to to, to and I got to, photographic to, memory and I still yeah okay so that's right so I just wanted yeah. to be sure um yeah that's what I'm that's what I was trying to express but to me although that may fade mm-hmm. what doesn't fade is their legend mm-hmm. is their story right. is their impact on your life you know and so i mean shoot i mean or it's just kind of like even if it not even just thinking on loved ones that have passed away if you think about people you knew in your childhood i couldn't tell you what some of those people well with social media things are different now but if i'm not friends with them on social media i couldn't tell you what those people look like but i could i could access you i could remember, remember moments, a yeah. story or a moment um, that I had with that person. So I say that to say, when I think of the word legend, I want our children to have phenomenal stories to turn to, no matter what, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I pray that, you know, you and I become great grandparents together, you know? Mm-hmm. And at that point, that would make them very old. So, you know, yeah. so I pray that they're old when you, when you and I, when it's our time to go. So I want them to always be able to look at our story. And I think one of the things that you're doing is you are documenting your legend, your story, right? So this, so the podcast is an audio capture of your legend of your story mm-hmm. you know that's what instagram is in a way it's it's a way to do that um it's a you know you have a literary legacy because you write you have um art legacy because you do produce art you know so that's how i think of the word legend i don't think of it like everyone else does now obviously like i said they're tom brady and michael jackson legends sure that's yeah. a freaking but so is darrell smith and so is ashley smith and you know okay so. okay i don't that was hard to express but that's no that was that was really great I like i i really appreciate that um so 
my curiosity, and we said this earlier, do you think bird dogs have helped me be a better husband? I know I said there wasn't a correlation a for me. A better husband? Hmm. I know for sure. Yeah. Because they challenge you. They challenge, they show you the flaws in your character, and they challenge you. I mean, at the same time, I know all you dog training folks out there maybe you guys are there to train the dogs but they train you too <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they teach you too mm-hmm. um so there there's an inherent um there's an inherent exchange that happens so yeah i think any improvement you know that happens for you i think you bring that forward in our family so whether it's more patience or whatever it is that you would learn in the field I definitely see it, you know, in our relationship. And I definitely, um, even how this has turned into you being a writer, I think that that's brought another element to our relationship because we get to bond through writing and get to know each other. What do you think about my writing? I think it's good. I think it's, I think. No, like for real, for real. You. I can I can talk I can, I can yes say the naked truth. Um, <laughs> I think I get you it, out here to tell a lie. That's true. Um, I think it has grown so much. Like I think, like it's just gotten really really good. It was always good, but you I think you found your voice. I think you found your literary voice over time. I think it's just gotten stronger. I think it was always there. Um, how do you edit over that? I, okay, so the editing process is... Our editing process is very interesting because I never want to take out his voice. I think we referenced this earlier in the podcast. He said he talks stupid, which I wish he would stop referring to to that, but that's just my personal... This is Georgia talk. That's, that's just you, right? But Atlanta that's, talk. that's how he talks because that's where we are from. Um, and I know y'all probably like, well, you from the same place, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, we talk but... and, and we're from different parts of, but but we also there's 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 a lot there's of variables there's a lot of variables there. that yeah, go yeah, into yeah, that, yeah. and there's a lot of code switching going on too. Uh oh, you done switching. messed up your yellow tablet. Uh oh, legal pad. Yeah, uh, we'll get you another one. It don't um, matter. It's all good. But where was I going with that? Um, oh, I was I was saying, oh oh oh. So when I'm editing his writing I never want to take out his voice because like we said if we if we have literary legacy when August and Avery go back and read your writings I want them to hear daddy's voice my mom was always over talking my dad even in his writing now go ahead (laughs) is that how you really (laughs) (laughs) gosh mom whatever um no I hope my kids don't ever sound like that. No, and I definitely anybody <laughs> over talks. Um, anyway, um, what was I saying? So I don't want to take out your voice, but I just kind of edit for grammar and mechanics. So okay, grammar and mechanics. Now I will say, um, I was. Can you grab that phone right there for me? Um, I. I was like dope at writing back in high school, man. 
I didn't read it in your writing. Of course you did. Miss McCatherine gave me a C though, and oh, I was no. I was pretty bothered about that. Oh yeah, that would have been. I was in eleventh grade too. Um, she might have appreciated. Her you want to know what's right funny? Now. You know what I did get an A on though. I did get an A on one, and on writing on. Math. <laughs> no, God no. You weren't there for me to for me to cheat off of. No, <laughs> God no. Um, no, I just meant. <laughs> Gosh. Come on now. Um, Gosh. Yeah. We, we met in the sixth grade. Yeah. yeah also, yeah, yeah, for yeah. just context, that's what the sixth grade. We met in sixth grade. I used to cheat off of her test. Everybody, I, I told everybody know. that story. I didn't know he was cheating off my test. That's the point. Because if I had known, I would not. You wouldn't have let me do it. And so, mind you, we I infiltrated our friendship. Yeah, you did, because I really thought you were sitting next to me because we were friends. Meanwhile, you were cheating off my paper. No, we were friends. That's what friends do for each other. Whatever. So, we <laughs> started dating at 26. You know, a couple of dates passed, and he was like, you know I used to cheat off your papers all the time. And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, that, that is our story. Well, this is what I want to ask you. First of all, let's let's let's... First of all, tell me who this guy is. But second of all, what I really want to know is, as much as you listen to this guy, I'm about to surprise you now. Uh-uh. What are you about to ask him? As much as you listen to this guy, I want you to leave the bird dog world something that applies from him to bird dogs. I want you to tell us, tell the whole bird dog world, Mm-hmm. About Mr. Neville Goddard. Who is he? And leave something that goes across the board. Like, what could bird doggers, bird dog people, dog trainers, dog men, dog women, sports women, what could they learn from Neville Goddard? Sure. Okay. So Neville Goddard is an author and teacher that I like, and I do read a lot of his work. Um, I am a, a, a very spiritual person. I am, um, I am a Christian. Um, and I like Neville's work because it really dissects the Bible from a scientific and more practical perspective. Um, if I had to leave what I have learned from Neville Goddard with the bird dog world, it would be that your mind is your mind is always arranged and what you believe and consent to as true. So, so what if I believe in consent that my dog is the greatest bird dog in the world? Right. But so it's then, not. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to go with is that right action follows right thought. Okay. So, All right. Break that down. I will. Um, so let's say that you have the thought or the goal to have the greatest bird dog in the world and that can always be subjective. Um, Vegas. Okay, so, <laughs> so so let's say it's your goal for Vegas to be 
the greatest bird dog in the world. Well, right thought is going to follow right action. There's nothing wrong with having that goal. I think anybody that loves what they love, you should have a really astronomical goal. Because what's the point of setting a goal that's within your grasp? Like that's boring. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it doesn't make sense. Absolutely. The point of a goal is growth. The point of I believe that the real goals that we're supposed to set for ourselves are the ones that require God, the ones that we can't quite see, the ones that will call something out of you that you didn't know was there, that will bring you to another new level of strength and consciousness to wrap that back around from the podcast earlier. Um, so I would say whatever your goal is to, to keep it in front of you, to remember it and and align your actions allow your actions to honor that thought, to honor that belief. And before you know it, you will turn into that version of you. You know, it doesn't really matter if other people think that you're the best bird dog in the world, but in your world. So say you have 10 dogs over 10 bird dogs of your lifespan, perhaps in your world, you created the best bird dog. You know, that can be, that's very layered. You know, sometimes you're not supposed to be the Tom Brady of the whole world, but maybe you're supposed to be the Tom, Tom Brady, Brady of your, your world. world. Right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah. So, All right. yeah. So it would be for you to, to, to be very vigilant and observing your thoughts and understanding that you are setting limits. You're setting limits for yourself in your mind. If you allow yourself to, believe in consent to things that limit you so only believe and consent to things that free you and elevate you and push you towards that which you are called to do so that you can honor the mission of your soul there you go okay Man, preach you're so crazy <laughs> get out here preaching on the gun dog notebook podcast yeah, yeah. you know well I am I'm glad we did that. I wanted a much more philosophical approach to working bird dogs. Now, you got to answer one last question and we can go. What don't you like about me and my dog? Like, as far as like how I work my dogs and stuff like that. How you work them or just in general how it affects my life? Uh, Either one or both. Sure. Okay. Oh, you've been waiting on this one. (laughs) (laughs) She's got to sit in the seat. Straight up. Sure. I'll definitely do this. Absolutely. This is going to happen. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, I'm kidding. Yeah, what I do not like is I don't like how somehow all, like, y'all have no idea how many times a week we have to sweep our floor. <laughs> My husband is outside a lot um so we had to learn how to make sure he wasn't tracking outside into inside and after hunting you know you can be a little a little roughed up a little dirty so we have a process so that we have to find any birds yes you are and that's really great and i'm so happy (laughs) for you but i do not want mud and what's that beggars what's that called beggars lice beggars lice and all those things randomly on the floor i hear this all the time from my wife i say these things ain't gonna come out your clothes you're gonna find these like two or three days later you're gonna find them in your pockets 
In the washing machine. You're going to find them in the washing machine. But they help because every time I get in the beggar's life, I find quail. Whatever. So, you know, it's 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 a little... Catch-22. I wouldn't call it a catch-22. It's, it's, it's perspective. Perspective my foot. Keep the beggar's life out my kitchen. Well, I, I will try my hardest. All right. Well, is there anything, Miss Ashley that you would like to leave the listeners with? Sure. Um, I would... uh, and, and I want you to, well, whatever you were going to say, and then leave the folks that's planning on getting married to somebody Duh! with bird dogs. Run. Leave them something to. Run away. Run away, Run away now. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. All right. I'm joking. There's a lot of guns and dogs. Run away. Run away. Um... JK, JK. Uh, what I want to leave the listeners with is a big fat thank you. Thank you guys for reading Darrell's articles and following his journey and supporting us through this. Um, I will say that this is truly very authentic to my husband. He really, really, really loves this. Um, Keep supporting me so I can get more dogs. No, that is not what I said, but... That's how this works. <laughs> this, no, that's not how this works. Um, but, you know, I just, I just, I'm grateful for how many people are supportive and tuned into your journey. I think it's really cool. And I just hope that, um, you know, we as a team, because we are as a team, um, but of course he's, he's doing the work. I'm just editing and listening. Um, you know, that that we continue to give, you know, good articles and good podcasts and all the wonderful, beautiful products, projects, projects and products that you do have coming out. I just hope that, you know, they find you on um, wherever you are in your journey and that they're helpful to you in an awesome way. So thanks for having me. I know you guys aren't listening, not used to listening to me and I'm not necessarily the typical guest. So thanks also for giving me. But you got bird dogs though. I do have bird dogs. What's yours is mine, darling. <laughs> um, so thanks for, for listening to me. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you getting on. You better appreciate me. I, you know, I you do. Just, you should appreciate me on a larger level. Tell tell the listeners why you appreciate me. I appreciate my wife because she let me get another dog, kind, kind, despite the fact that we have a whole three-month-old child. Okay. You know. You look so much like, he and my daughter, he and our daughter look so much alike. It's so weird. Like, when I look at him, I see her. It's so strange. That's dope. That means she going to be a dog woman. She will be... That which her soul calls her to. <laughs> well, anywho, Ashley, I appreciate you. I do. Um, I really wanted something that wasn't hunt, 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 hunt. Because there is the other perspective of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, life does go on when you're not in the field. And... There are a lot of people in our generation that are one gun, one day going to want kids and they're going to live in the burbs. They're not going to have 10, 20, 30, 40 acres of work with. They're going to go through the same struggles and they're probably going to be possibly a minority. Possibly. Yeah, they could be and we, could, we, we, we could go into the minority outdoor lines, but I ain't going to do that. But 
Yay, MOA. We love MOA. We'll talk more about that. We'll, we'll get into that in time. But um, and you are also notably the founder of MOA. One, well, one I mean, uh, uh, co-founder. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anywho, you are just as much a founder as I am. And I think that there's merit. But anyway, back to what I was saying. I think that the idea or the conversation about living and being married with bird dogs is is is, is just as valid. Oh, yeah. We're probably going to just... It's, it's, oh, there's so much there's we so haven't much covered. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there is a lot that we haven't covered. But I wanted to also kind of poke your brain a little bit. I just had to resort to Oprah to do it. <laughs> so. Well, and you mentioned the Michelle Obama podcast earlier. I think while that model was appealing to you, she's doing her series is on relationships, and she evaluates how. The different relationships in her life have shaped who she is. Right. Um, so in that same way, when you are in a marriage, because marriage does take conversation and compromise and in working as a team, um, you know, your relationships do directly affect how effective you can be with your passions. Well, so I think that's also what drew you into that. You know who also stands out to me in terms of that? But what you said, who? Paul who we're getting a setter from. Oh yeah. Yeah. So his wife, while Paul is down in Arizona, making sure that these dogs are getting ran and things like that, his wife is right there with him, you know, doing the, doing just as much work. Um, You know, the last thing that I want to say on this podcast is you do need a supportive wife. Mm hmm. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, so that, that, that is one thing. So I will tell y'all folks, man, like when you're dating somebody, just let them know that your life is trash and you have a bunch of guns and dogs. And if they stay around, they're worth marrying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your relationship advice. Relationship advice from y'all want the gun dog notebook. Gosh. Show them your gun. Show them your dogs. <laughs> and cross your fingers. That's funny. <laughs> show them your gun. Show them your dogs. Cross your fingers. Put that in at the end of the next article. Show them your, show them your guns. Show them your dogs. <laughs> and cross your fingers. Maybe they stay Oh, man. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode of another Gun Dog Notebook podcast. Um, that's my wife, y'all. I married up. I hope y'all see that. <laughs> anyway, we'll catch y'all uh, later on. We're going to have to start doing these podcasts more so on the weekends also because we do have two kids. So I'm liking the weekend format regardless. Anyway, catch y'all later. Thank y'all for tuning in and uh, stay tuned for some more updates.
All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed that particular episode with my wife, Miss Ashley Smith. Um, and I, I, I enjoyed recording it and it's definitely something that's a little more, um, a little more brainy. <laughs> and those are just really the kind of conversations we have, um, whether it be in the car, whether it be around screaming babies or, or whether it be walking in the woods, you know, like I said, she's highly supportive, but, but on my end, you know, I kind of wanted to, of course, give you guys some more thoughts on, you know, from a gun dog notebook and just the season in general. Um, I also wanted to thank Bob St. Pierre, um, from on the wing podcast for having us on the, uh, Quell Forever on the Wing podcast, Mixed Bag Mashup. It was me, Tyler Webster, and Nick Larson, Tyler Webster from Birds, Booze, and Buds podcast, Nick Larson from the Project Upland podcast, and then there's another uh, episode with some other folks coming up uh, next week. Well, my uh, something that's kind of been, I guess, on my mind this season, considering the whole COVID thing, um, Honestly, I, I dropped I dropped out of field trialing um, for this season. I just stopped altogether, um, partially because I had a lot of other opportunities, research opportunities to that that really took precedence. And that's been my main focus is is learning and studying and trying to better my own knowledge um, and grow my own knowledge in my body of work. There's been an, an, a, another piece of it that I had opportunities to hunt. Um, you know, two plantations that I was, was really itching to get on and, you know, work dogs. I wouldn't necessarily say hunt them. Um, I hunted them sure, but it was more of an opportunity to get good dog work in off of horseback. And I want to thank, um, you know, my buddy Willie and my buddy Terry for allowing, for helping me get access to those places. Um, so you guys will see some stuff coming out, um, about that pretty soon. Um, but yeah, I missed a lot of field trial opportunities. I, you know, was getting text messages all, you know, left and right and so on and so forth from my good folks at Nastra, um, you know, the folks um, at, uh, from some walking dog trials, um, American field stuff, you know, just, I mean, that's just the way it is. And COVID is weird, man. Like I had to really bear down and, 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 bite the bullet. I mean, I got two little kids and I, if I'm being totally blunt, I can't trust nobody, but what's in my house. Um, and that ain't a shot. That ain't a shade. It's, it's just the way that I think in regards to this pandemic. And I went to a few and I just, you know, being a teacher also, I've just had a lot of really close calls with it. Um, you know, even in, my own house as far as childcare and stuff like that, like some close calls, um, a little too close for my comfort. So I, I just opted out of it and really just went to hunting and guiding. Um, which I mean that I still got to get out there in the woods. I just want, I just had a little bit more control over those situations. Um, you know, but in light of that, I did have a lot of thinking um, about the connection that I have with my dogs in the woods, um, whether we're trialing or whether we're not, you know, the, the, the actions that I take and, and the things that I do are all the same. And one thing that I was thinking about, um, is singing to my dogs 
and not singing like Christmas carols or nothing like that. Like, no, nah, I ain't talking about that. Like singing, meaning like throwing my voice through the woods um, and getting them to cast and turn with me coming and going with me and things like that. And it's a style that I've learned from uh, from Neil and Curtis and Joe Fryson. Um, Neil Carter, Curtis Brooks and Joe Fryson. And I I mean, it's super effective, man. And it's 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 something that not only do I think is just really cool, but that's that piece of tradition, you know, down here to 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 be able to really build your voice up and and have that certain cadence. Um, if you listen to other episodes with Neil on them, um, you'll hear him talk about how he you know, it took him 40 years to get the voice that he has to be able to, to, to work his dogs and his dogs know that specific thing about his voice. Um, and I think that's important, man. Like, how do we communicate, you know, with our dogs and, and, and what is it that we're thinking about? You know, what is it that they're thinking about? Like, what makes them respond to my voice over a whistle? And, and how do we develop? you know, the, the, the whistle casting or, or anything and, and being able to differentiate a whistle from a voice when we're in the middle, you know, when the, the dog is 200, 300 yards away in the woods, you halfway can't see him. And next thing you know, you're singing to him and, you know, he pops out of the piney woods and you're like, Oh wow, that, you know, kind of worked, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's really unique to me. And I've got a project upland, you know, piece coming up with, with some film in it and you hear it, you know? Um, and I just thought it was just really, really interesting. So, you know, how do you guys think it's something for you to think about, man, how do you communicate with your dogs differently than, you know, other handlers, you know, or the other people that are out there with you in the field, you know, because a lot of the bird dog world, there's, there's a lot of the same, calls there's a lot of the same commands you know everybody usually says woe to their dogs and things like that well and and my mentor um eric morris you know the way that he handles his chesapeake bay retriever you know he he has this thing uh (laughs) it is a funny word but the word comes from a city in alabama where he where he's from and I, I heard him say it like a long time ago, man. When we first start, when I first started working with him, um, and I was like, "What is it? What is it that you're saying?" We were in Kansas, and uh, I'm not going to say it because I, I mean, it it just sounds weird coming from <laughs> coming from me. But that is his language with the dogs. You know, I, I look at a lot of hound guys, a lot of black hound guys. Um, and there's a common theme in a lot of the the YouTube stuff that I see or interviews and stuff when I'm listening to a lot of black hound guys and black bird dog guys. It's so interesting how so much of our history has been, you know, riddled with attempts to diminish our voice. But yet our voice and language and and being able to. uh to, to speak and read and write and things like that, like the common vernacular, that's such a huge part of what it is that we do. 
from oral traditions to handling dogs to things. And I, ju- I just think that's a weird thing. So something that has been probably a major part of my process with developing my bird dogs is developing a unique sound that only my dogs um, understand. You know, and then within that, developing an even uh, an even more specific way of communicating with each individual dog. So there are some things that are pretty much the same across the board as far as all three dogs. But then there are certain things that I say to, 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 to Ruger that I wouldn't say to Ann or wouldn't say to Vegas or Vegas that I wouldn't say to Ruger or Ann and Ann that I wouldn't say to Vegas or Ruger. Um, and that's just a really big thing for me. You know, I've got all of the the, the fundamental foundational stuff going on. But it's going that extra mile to know how to get your dog to respond specifically to you. And not and learning when to handle, when to not handle, when to not overhandle. You know, that's just like when we're getting into the nitty gritty of of handling, that's something that I like to um, see, you know, and. And I like to see other people do. I like to hear it. To me, it I, y'all have heard me say this all the time, man. It's kind of like church, man. And, and singing to the dogs is like gospel. You know, everybody got their own different kind of voice, man. You in the sanctuary, you you in the piney woods, and and you got the choir. You are your own choir. You know, your team is your choir. How are y'all singing to each other? How are y'all calling and responding off of each other? And um, and that's. You know, that's really important. And, and you'll see that theme come up um, in a lot of my writings uh, in, in, in future articles. Um, that's something that I'm kind of trying to interject as best as I possibly can. Um, the other thing that I, I wanted to, you know, kind of talk about is, is as our season here in Georgia is kind of coming to a close. We still got about three weeks, give or take. Um you know, what goals did you accomplish or what goals did I accomplish? You know, for me, it was getting my dogs in front of a horse way more or 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 even if not way more, more having more opportunities this season than last. And I was able to accomplish that. And it's so interesting. It didn't take Vegas very long to figure out to stay in front. It took about three sessions. One, The first one being in the, you know, being on the spot you know, his first field trial, the others, um, you know, going down with Neil and, and, and borrowing a horse or, or working with Terry and borrowing a horse and, and just really pushing them. It doesn't take dogs long, long to figure out. Like if I stay in front of him, we're going to be a whole lot more successful, you know, and, and, and getting my, my, my other goal was in addition to getting more horseback stuff, I bought a horseback bred dog, and and getting her workable, man. And the first time I was able to put her in front of a horse, um, so a couple weekends ago, honestly, it was like she snapped um right on in the place. <laughs> Actually, she handled better off a horse than she did walking. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that and and getting her up to speed. Um, so those are gonna be the things that I look forward to going into the the next season. Um, and then something for you guys to be ex- excited about. So Project Upland has a new audiobook release. And I think they're really, really pushing these audiobooks and, and they're they're t- 
timeless historic content that I think everybody should hear. And the best part about it is it's audiobook. Now, I don't do the greatest with audiobooks because for some odd reason I have not moved out of the 1920s and I still like to pick up a book to read. Um like a like a tangible book. But this is different. Like being able to hear being able to hear the history frees up my hands so I can honestly take more notes. I got a setter coming up. So this this particular audiobook, The Setter by Edward Laverack, um, is going to be huge, man. I mean, it's definitely going to be huge. Um, Edward Laverack is is who I would consider the father of the modern setter. Um, very likely any, if not all of y'all setters, um, setter owners, the bloodline pedigrees are going to go back to Laverack's dogs. Very much so. Um, and so check that out. If you need to find it, um, you can hit me up and, and, and on my Instagram, um, I'm going to do a little bit of a giveaway for a free promo code to uh, to kind of push that content out there. But get on Audible, man, and and download The Setter by Edward Laverack. Um, it's it's good. It's really good. I started listening to it the other day and uh I'm actually probably going to start back over because I want to take more detailed notes and and slow down just a little bit because I was in the car the first time. But anyway, check that out. Um, And I will be reminding you guys, you know, each week about new updates and things coming from Project Upland. Um, I'm working on some new articles to to, for you guys reading pleasure. Um, So, yeah. And then national championship is going on. You know, right now, um, I'm not going to inundate you guys with the updates, you know, the brace by brace synopsis, but you can find the brace by brace synopsis at uh, aimsplantation.org, A-M-E-S, plantation.org, to check them out. One of the dogs that I had, I was really rooting for, uh, Ann's father, her sire, Miller's blind sider, is out of the running um, just real quick, he ran in on on, on in the uh, the second brace of day three, and it was it was against Ascension, um, whose owner was was Ted Roach and handler Steve Hurdle, Miller's Blindsider, owned by Nick Barong and handled by Jamie Daniels. Um, and so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of that. So that particular brace, um, you know, as it was reported, Ascension suffered an unproductive at an hour and 45 on the north side of the supermarket field. He was picked up at two hours and 12 minutes. Um, Miller's Blindsider had a find at 21 minutes. Um at the new basin field on the north side, he suffered an unproductive at 36 minutes in Turner Basin Field along the east side. His second find was at 50 minutes east of Tom Hurt at Govan, uh, Govan Hall, uh, Govan Hill, I'm sorry. And uh, Blindsider's handler left the front at one hour and 45 minutes to search for the dog and did not return. So the Joker ran off the course and obviously. Um, was pulled out of the race. There are other braces that I'm looking for. Um, my buddy Steeple has really kept me up to date with um, with a lot of stuff just because we are house hunting. So Steeple's kind of been um, 
been keeping me in the loop until I can get back to aimsplantation.org. Um, so we are waiting to see what Lester's storm surge is going to do. Um, hopefully for a win, you know, we like Gary Lester's dogs, but anywho, that's all guys. I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. I've already got two hours of your time, give or take. Um, I'm just glad that you guys were able to hear my wife on this episode, get some more details. Um, just about just what we think, man, and, and and the the ins and outs of being a family man and a dog man at the same time. All right, guys. So stay tuned for another episode next week. I'm going to try to start pushing these out on Saturday um, just because it's just really hard to try to get stuff published um, during the week with two children under two. So I'm going to switch up a little bit. Um, I know it's standard format for folks to get stuff out during the week but you know listen to it when you listen to it and that's just the thing that works for my schedule right now so i'm going to start doing uh doing doing weekly or saturday saturday afternoon saturday morning saturday afternoon uh releases so guys that's another episode of the gundog notebook and i thank y'all i want to thank my sponsors and affiliates um for everything that y'all do And uh, we'll be seeing y'all soon. All right, guys. Check you later.